You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, my 92nd episode, we're going to speak to a good friend and Phillips Well Center's industry and public policy lead, Greg Fulton. Welcome back to the show, Greg. Hi, Justin. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to see you always. No, it's great. And this is probably your, uh, is it your fourth, fifth, sixth time on the show? Maybe fourth or fifth. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Great guest. And um, and we're going to do a special show today. It's going to be focused on best practices to navigate healthcare. Uh, and we're going to dive into almost everything that people need to know. Very timely topics, such as the healthcare bill, um, that's pending. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the new healthcare team under the administration and under uh, the president, um, current state of legislation, current state of regulation, even the MedPAC report on MACRA, because that's, that's front and center of this industry. You can't have a show without MACRA these days. <laughs> Very true. Um, and also trends and, uh, and then best practices to navigate uh, and engage those trends. So uh, it's going to be, and it's going to be um, a very interactive show. We're going to do. Uh, Greg and I are going to go back and forth. We've been doing this a long time together. I think we've been working together for, I don't know, seven since twenty ten. Since twenty, yeah, seven years, seven. So yeah, <laughs> awesome. So uh, uh, and again, this is going to be a. Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Healthcare strategy, for the most part, the focus. A lot of we'll touch on some innovation though, uh, but also this is strictly nonpartisan. Um, or as, as we, you know, on the Hill, we, uh, we're fiercely bipartisan. So um, not taking any sides here. We're just going to kind of give you a state of the, the union, where it is, um, what to look for, how to navigate these uh, trends successfully in this regulation and public policy and legislation, everything coming at us, uh, which is coming out fairly ferociously. So starting off with, I mean, to be honest, the healthcare bill is not political at all, I would say. Uh, well, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's a joke. Um, but I don't uh, but, know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think number one is we're going to get one. I think a couple months ago uh, when the, you know, the initial, uh, um, uh, I guess, stall came, uh, the media, the, the news jumped on saying, oh, healthcare is dead, moving on to taxes. And I remember saying, even to my wife at the time, like, who is saying that? There's no one on Capitol Hill was saying that healthcare is dead. Dead they, for 2017? No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're going to get a healthcare bill. Um, it's just kind of interesting, whatever the, uh, you know, the media can do to, to try to attack. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to get a health care bill. By the time you hear this episode, we may have a health care bill. We might, we might. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, we're going to get one. I think, I guess my prediction over the last month or a month and a half has been 40% uh, chance to get it by August. The only reason we wouldn't get it by August, I think, or September or, or by October is because the number of days in session, right, right. Uh, th- it is limited. There are a lot of breaks scheduled, a lot of recesses scheduled. So just logistically, um, and by the rules of the Senate, the rules of the House, the rules that legislation has to follow, we may not get a bill just because of that aspect. Not necessarily because we can't iron out all the details or agree. That's a piece of it. 
But I, I think the odds that I've I've put out there in handicap: forty percent uh, chance getting a bill by August, sixty percent by October, and ninety percent by the end of the year. So we're going to get a bill. Uh, and again, by the time you hear my our, our, this show, you very well may have a bill. Yeah, and in terms of timing, I think it's worth saying that as we speak today, we do have government funding through the fall. So yep. that's good news too. Kind of paves the way or opens up some doors. Yep. To take take another look back at healthcare. It, it certainly uh, it certainly does. So I, I think one thing we're going to touch on. Um, we're, you know, obviously, uh, you know, let's, let's start off with go right to the team. I think a little bit before we talk about some of the specific, um, components, you got the new C well, first of all, Dr. Price, Dr. Tom Price, uh, orthopedic surgeon from Atlanta. I've been fortunate to, to work with Tom for now about, I guess, seven, I've known him for 17 years, but worked with him for a lot over the years. Um, I, I think he's going to be good for healthcare overall. I think he's going to be very good for care providers, not just doctors, but nurses. He understands what they do on a daily basis. He knows how to help run a practice. He's part of Resurgent Orthopedics, um, a very successful orthopedic practice, not just right. here in Atlanta, but even nationally. It's a very well-run organization. Yeah, longtime member of the Doctors' Caucus in the house. Yeah, a lot of experience. So I think from an experience standpoint, um, someone who's been in the trenches, knows how to create legislation, move regulation around, navigate regulation. Um, I, I think he's very well versed, and again, he's going to be very good. I think for the industry, even around looking at um, we have a program reporting. There's a lot of changes that we're going to have. I still think to, you know, creating um, better programs, either uh, you know, easier for doctors to navigate, easier reporting. I think, you're, and we've already sort of see that in some of the regulation. We'll dive into that mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Um, in a moment, but but you know Tom Price, starting with Tom Price, uh, you know Dr. Price, uh, and then you got the new administrator, CMS administrator, Seema Verma. You know she's been advisor to several Medicaid programs, right. has more experience, you know, handling Medicaid than anybody else in the history of CMS at the at the at the top. Yeah, so she's yeah. got amazing experience. Um, so I think you're going to see some big transformations. Uh, and actually, I've got to go speak to a trade group uh, tomorrow. Um, that uh, I'm going to have to dive into some of those Medicaid changes. So it's going to be interesting right. to foreshadow what she's going to do. But but I think we're going to see some good movement there. Yeah, I think a good pick out of her. And and um, speaking of Dr. Price, I thought what the industry has found very interesting, certainly you and I have, we've talked about it, the creation of a new HHS Deputy Director for yeah. Health IT. That's a new position created in March by Dr. Price. Yep. And at the time, people wondered if maybe that would foretell any future for ONC. There is some speculation, will ONC get funded? Will o- How will ONC go forward? So that happened in March, and former Louisiana Rep. John Fleming, yeah. uh, himself a doctor, also part of the GOP Doctor Caucus, Freedom Caucus, uh, stepped into that position. And I think that's very interesting, A, certainly by creating a new position. If you look back at his record, look some of, of, of what he did in Congress, he also supported the Meaningful Use Stage 3 delay, mm-hmm. and, and that's certainly on the table. Dr. Price is being urged to do that. Um, he also did vote for MACRA. A lot of people voted for MACRA. Yeah, yeah. Everybody voted for MACRA, yeah. and you can't blame them. Right. The legislation yeah. you know, stopped SGR, yeah. but there's a difference between the legislation and then you had the regulation. Yep. where the complications come in and, and the program aspects that some people don't like to say are too complicated. But he did vote for MACRA, although he is on record saying now that the, the regulation and the, and the program setup is a little bit too complicated. So interesting to see what might come of that. As we know, MACRA will, will be in for annual annual rulemaking as we go forward. Yeah, and, 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 and it would be no matter what. Every year we're going to take a look yes. at MACRA. You want to evolve it. You want to see what's working, what's not working. But also one thing everybody needs to keep in mind, you know, 
I don't know if the regulation was a failure in any way. It was, you know, you're always going to evolve. And people also, the new administration wants to put their own stamp on it. Right. So, you know, that, that's just a natural evolution to the way regulation and policy gets implemented. And that's just that's just the nature of, of what we deal with. Yep. But in, overall, I think we're both, I'm very supportive of MACRA. I think MACRA, I think getting out of the gate, they've done a very good job, um, the administration, you know, creating a, a baseline. All policy gets, you know, re, you know, not all, but most policy gets reviewed on an annual basis, certainly on the regulation side, regulatory side. Yeah. That, and you can get edits, you can get new rulemaking, you can get clarifications, you can get corrections, because uh, you want to make it better. Yeah, and you said it, you said it best yourself. Let, let's see what Dr. Price does with MACRA, given his background and given his clinical experience, what will happen to payment reform and some of the models in there, how will that go forward? Because, you know, the, the idea is to get more payment models into the APM side going forward. Let's yep. see how those turn out with his stamp on. Oh, good point. And then also we have another great uh, person, Dr. Don Rucker. You know, Don's been in the industry for a long time, the chief medical officer for Siemens. You know, uh, you know, as you've referenced in some of our pre-work here, ONC Policy Committee, you know. Um, but, uh, but Dr. Rucker... Um, and he is your new ONC director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ONC. Yeah, the new ONC chief. He's uh, he, and he's very smart. I've worked with Don back in the EHR Association days. Yes, uh, great standards um, on the policy side as well. So I, I think uh, you know having the experience. As, he's an ER doc. He's got hands-on experience not only practicing medicine but uh, but also with technology, innovation, um, standards, interoperability, things that we need to uh, to really keep a close eye on as we evolve healthcare. Yeah, yeah. ONC just put out a new RFI looking for uh, measure standards in macro, things like that. So you're seeing some cohesiveness around that. Uh, you know, ONC has got some new um, oversight regulation on certification. We'll talk a little bit about certification this year. He's a lot like you, Justin. He is on record curious or decrying how much regulation can stifle innovation. That's the Justin Barnes playbook. <laughs> For goodness sake, he's right there. And he also has in the past talked about the, the time frame, how, you know, how soon can a regulation be implemented, you know, to give developers time to, yeah. to develop and, and then clinicians time to really understand and, and utilize. And so. that's usually 18, 16 to 18 months is mm -hmm. what developers and clinicians, they want. I mean, we, everybody thinks way in advance. We play in way in advance. Um, and we just got to make sure that regulation allows us that uh, that innovation um, sector mm -hmm. and zone um, to make the very best. I mean, uh, you know, changes and updates to our products. And, and certainly regulation has a very important aspect yeah. uh, in, in, in point. However, so does innovation. And I think that's always the healthy balance. So that brings me up to one point before we kind of go into our next big sector uh, or section of this discussion are the power centers to watch and engage, I think, because mm -hmm. it's very important to educate Congress. Uh, and also even your state legislatures. So I, I say, you know, you've, only, you've got, uh, you know, one House member uh, in Congress. You've got two U.S. senators. You've got one state rep and one state senator. You know, so you've got five people that you've really right. got to keep educated on, on your day in, day in a life. So it's very important because they got to hear from you. I promise you. They're voting, they're voting in the state House, the state Senate, the U.S. House, the U.S. Senate. Um, they listen to your vote. So you've got... Senate. So in the, in the in the U.S. Uh, or Congress side, you've got the the Senate Finance Committee. You've got the Senate Help Committee. Those are two committees alone. If you if you know you, everybody's got to focus. So just in the Senate, Senate Finance, Senate Help, and the House side, you got Ways and Means, mm -hmm. and you got Energy and Commerce. Just those four committees will cover a lot of ground. Allow you to focus. And if you have a member of Congress that's in your city or or in your state, you represent represents you know you on the state side or you on the young congressional that's side, right. district side. Then uh, and they're on ways and means or energy and commerce or Senate help or Senate finance, then I highly recommend you engage. You educate them, um, and this is all again for healthcare. 
And for healthcare policy. Yeah, Senate Health, H-E-L-P, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Think about the crossover, too. Senator Johnny Isaacson, by the way, from Georgia, he's on Senate Health, and he's on Senate Finance. So there are ways to to really consolidate there, as you say. Excellent point. Yeah. So, and we mentioned those because we call them power centers. You know, people, they... They want to sit back and they want to complain. However, these are ways that you can engage. It's it's very simple. Certainly, if you're a constituent, they're going to listen to you. I promise you their staffers are going to listen to you. And even them yeah. as members of Congress are going to listen to you. So it's very important not just to you know to write your comments and certainly you know complain in every way, any way you want. But I engage. Make it fruitful. I promise you your education, um, your experience will make a big difference to them in Congress. I've seen it happen for 15 years on the Hill. Indeed. You know, I can tell you, too, one of the uh, staffers for Senator Isaacson came and visited our office over last uh, holiday break, the Christmas break. They want to get out in the field. They really want to see what health IT is doing, you know, because a lot of legislation encompasses that, too, that they're doing. It's clinical in nature, but it's also health IT. They understand that, that intertwine. Yeah, so they and want you, to hear you and I you. hosted numerous site visits oh, at, yeah. at Greenway and, and with our customers. We brought them you know, not only to our corporate headquarters, but to numerous customer sites all around the country, no less, not just, uh, you know, not just in our home state of Georgia. So, um, so anyhow, engage, very important. So let's, start, let's, go, let's move along to some of the um, high points. And we are going to cover a lot of ground, as I mentioned, uh, in the top of this uh, show. But uh, let's move on to legislation. So what do you like out there? Or what do you think from a healthcare and a healthcare strategy and innovation perspective we should keep an eye on. Right? You know, the biggest piece of legislation that I've been following, I mean, and you just said it, Senate Health Committee, there's um, a bipartisan Senate bill that's been reintroduced into the Senate. And these are Senators Isaacson, Hatch, Wyden, and Warner. Again, bipartisan in nature. It's called the Chronic Care Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was introduced last session. It's been reintroduced now. Really what it wants to do is really focus on preventive medicine, obviously, duh, chronic care. Um, medicine, things like that. But what's particularly interesting about it is it really leverages existing ACOs, CMS ACOs, that are within the macro program. So there's a lot of crossover there if you're in an ACO, in a next-gen, something like that. Next-generation ACO has a lot of waivers for telehealth. This bill mm-hmm. would very much expand telehealth coverage and waivers for that, you know, outside of what you even have in that sort of ACO structure. It's got a lot of end-stage renal disease um, waivers to it and expansions and benefits. I think it's a really interesting bill that really gets to the heart of preventive care, chronic care, Sort of like the chronic care management fee that you're seeing in the physician fee schedule that launched a few years ago. Yeah. Really an expansion of that, and and I think that's a smart way to look at value-based care. You know, there's a lot of buzz now around social determinants of health, trying to figure that into your value-based care, into your patient data build. I think this bill will do a lot of things, and by its very nature, very much out of the Senate, very much bipartisan. I think it's got a great chance to move forward. and the reintroduction, I think, is going in for a markup and a hearing about mid-May. So the fact that it's going in for a markup, yeah. as you know, yeah. knowing the, the way yeah. the gears work there yeah. is, is a positive sign for it. Yep. And having the bipartisan support, um, you know, telehealth, virtual care, it's going to be healthcare mm-hmm. moving forward. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so critical. And we've got to begin taking some those those big steps in this area. So I, I'm happy to see the reintroduction. I'm happy to see the bipartisan support. I'm happy to see it on the markup schedule. So, uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Um, and I, I think you and I talked off air, and I don't think there's anything else that's pressing on the legislative side, at least right now, because we have a lot going on the regulation side and a some lot. other pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing that, that I'm really watching over on the legislative side. Regulatory, gosh, so much going on coming out of CMS. You, know, you talked about um, 
Ms. Verma, our new director, she has been busy, but she's been coming in in March, and you're seeing a lot of things moving forward on the macro front and other fronts. You're seeing some things sort of leveling off or, or a little bit also out of Dr. Price's office. So there are some tea leaves to read if you if you if you do such things, or, or but there's a lot of tangibility going on also now too. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned, I, I'm very bullish on on Tom's leadership here. I think that we're gonna from a care provider perspective and creating these programs, some of the reporting. Um, I've already, we've already seen regulation, or at least some proposed language, uh, that um, is going to lessen some of the reporting requirements, offer more flexibility on you know, 90 days to report. Yes. And, and, and so you know, and we'll dive into that here uh, in a moment. But I mean, I, I think from that standpoint, if you're trying to read the tea leaves, as you just said, you know, I, I'm very bullish on those aspects. Um, bundled payments is something that uh, I think, uh, you know, I've heard and, you know, Tom, you know, Dr. Price has, has uh, you know, showed not as much support for bundled payments. Mandatory bundled yeah, payments. Mandatory. No. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, so I think that's that's an important thing just to keep an eye on. Again, I think we're going to have bundled payments for sure. Yeah. But forcing them certainly in all care settings is not, you know, not um, indicative of success, I think, is, is what some of the um, initial findings are, are. So I think there's certain specialties that we may not see. Yeah, I think, mandatory. That, I think that's the key word yeah. that you've hit on is, is specialty mandatory bundled payments. What is his view on that? And where does he come from on that being himself a specialist? Now we know that some of those, uh, that came out of CMMI, uh, were delayed. Um, they were delayed from July to October. So we'll see. Um, part of that delay was technical, uh, new administration. They had uh, a freeze of all new regulations, a 90 day freeze. Yep. So this got caught up in that. So maybe not to over speculate on what it means, you know, there, there was just some nuts and bolts there, but I think that is an area we're going to have to wait and see and how that again works into the macro legislation and what kind of payment reform is going to come out of the new HHS. You know, they're certainly within their purview to, to look at bundled payments and, and, and put their own stamp on them, as you say. Yep. So um, the, the CMF, CMS RFI on MIPS quality measures and um, improvement activities yeah, is out? Yeah, here's another tangible example of how macro will move forward. It's no shock to you and I to hear people say, gosh, is macro, what's going to happen to macro? Is it going to exist? Is it going to go forward? It's going to exist. <laughs> you see a lot of headlines. You see a lot of speculation. There's so much tangibility that it will go forward. I, I think you can sort of put its death knell to bed. Again, it's just going to be a matter of, of what it looks like and how it gets tweaked in rulemaking and what sort of payment reforms go into it. So, yes, CMS very recently put out an RFI saying, hey, to the clinical world, vendors as well, yep. come to us and tell us what quality measures you would like to see in that quality MIPS pillar, scoring pillar. Uh, nothing shocking about that. There was language in the macro legislation to do so. It's just good to see that come out looking for that sort of input. You said it yourself you know, near the top of the show to get involved. Here's an opportunity. Go to CMS. These are the quality measures you should be tracking. Yeah, that's right. These are the improvement activities that should right. be in part of it. That RFI and is out there. Yeah, us as an organization, say you run a hospital or mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, a um, practice, large practice, whatever, and even small practice. Tell them what you're what you're tracking today. Tell them where you're seeing success. You know those kind of best practices. That's what. They, and I promise you, CMS, ONC, HHS, they read every comment that's submitted. They do. They really do. I promise you that. They really do. Um, yeah, and even if you're in a hospital or you're an entity, even though technically entities are not subject to macro, still. You know, what hospital is not oh, full of affiliated or owned doctors yeah, who are very engaged, <laughs> very yeah. required yeah. to do macro. Yes, so yes, yes. There, there's that also. Very true. Um, CMS moving forward with track one uh, and track uh, and, and CPC plus around uh, round two for macro in 2018. Yeah, some real tangibility there. And I think that right around the time period when some of these 
bundled payments were delayed. At that same time, CMS came out with an official webinar saying, okay, we are going to move forward with CMS ACO Track 1 Plus. Um, And that's tangible into the 2018 reporting year for macro. So that's a good thing if you want to take on risk, but less risk that you're seeing in track two, track three. This is if provided you want to move maybe from the MIPS reporting pillar over to advanced alternative payment models. That's where your bonus payments lie. I think under this administration, we're, we're still seeing that bit of a push to try and push providers into an advanced alternative payment model or an APM. Yeah. We shall see how much of a push that really is, well, though, unless MIPS kind of gets dismantled. that might We might see that that go away well, just no, in I mean, terms of the details, yeah. the reporting, the scoring, you know, the, the sort of the, the formulaic nature of MIPS, not the programs or not, right, right. not the structures, right. but just, just how you get from A to B. Well, and I know there's going to be more pressure. At least this was, you know, we'll see if there's any changes, but from what I know from sitting with the previous administration and even as of late, they want to move everybody into APMs. Mm-hmm. MIPS is just a stepping stone yeah. to get to APMs, alternative payment models. They want to get there as fast as possible. Um, MIPS is just a glide path, but obviously you can go yes. right into the yes. APMs. You can. Um, or you can go the MIPS route. And obviously most people, 67% or so, is going to, are going to go the uh, MIPS route yep. first. Yep. However, it is the goal is to get everybody to advanced alternative payment models. Track, yeah, track one, one plus, plus yeah, being, track one plus. being a new route, you know, to get there. CPC Plus uh, launched a year ago, gosh, April a year ago, as a primary care, care management, pop health management model um, out of CMS. Also was immediately placed into that APM track for MACRA. So what has happened here is CMS has said, okay, we're going to do round two of CPC Plus. Right now, as we speak, they're trying to get more payers involved. It's a multi-payer program, so it's a good thing about CPC Plus, too. It's not just a CMS payer. It's a multi-payer program with yes, your public and private, for goodness sake. Yeah. That's excellent. So they're going to go that's ahead with a round two on that. If things go like they should time-wise, it should be this summer where they will go back out to providers and say, okay, if you want to sign up for CPC Plus round two, you can as a provider. Still primary care right now. Yep. So, um, but let's move right along in some other regulatory changes. Um, obviously, uh, the 2015 edition of certified uh, EHR testing is um, seasons. Oh, yes, Thomas? sir. This is certification season. Um, if you're a provider and you're using health IT, it's time to start maybe checking in with them and see what their plans are for certification. Right now, you have to have the 2015 edition by January 1st, 2018. And we're, we're inching toward halfway through the year. Right. I wanted to also let your listeners know or folks know that, um, you know, you go through those private contracted ONC ACBs yep. with ONC to get your certification. Um, one of those entities has dropped out of certification um, and is no longer doing it. That leaves two right now. So if you're looking to get certified, be aware of that sort of getting in line. ICSA. Yeah. ICSA they labs. Yep. Yeah. Is no longer an ONC ACB. Drummond is still there. Infogard is still there, but that's just two. So get in line. If well, you we need lost to get certified. CCHIT a couple of years ago. Yeah. And now we've yeah. lost uh, ICSA labs. And so, yep, yeah. Yep. The volunteer, the, the, voluntary CCHIT that you helped form <laughs> paved the way for certification that we have now, uh, you know, another necessary, not only not a necessary evil, but a necessary thing to have, you know, for, for the playing field now. Yep. So just two left. So go out and get certified or, or, check with your health IT vendor to see if they're getting certified. The other one thing I wanted to make sure and mention from CMS is if you're a provider and if you're doing Medicare Part B and you're subject to MACRA, you should be getting a letter this month uh, throughout the month of May that 
is CMS's version of who you are and where you fall and mm. what TIN you are associated with, your tax ID number. Get that letter, take a real good look at it, make sure that CMS has got you in, in the correct TIN and, and sees where you're at with your claims. That's yeah. coming along, too. So I've um, got a, just about two minutes left here. No. So um, I know we'll have to do this again because <laughs> I do want to hit some trends. But um, give us uh, 15 seconds on the MedPAC report on macro. We've, we've hit macro pretty hard. So. Yeah, yeah, macro never ends. Um, in June, MedPAC, the, the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, is giving their report to Congress on how they feel about macro, proposed changes, recommendations. So look for that coming in June. As you, again, you say at top of the hour, what's Tom Price going to look at macro, how they might tweak it, this report might, might give them we, – like MedPack a lot too. I mean, very balanced. Yep. Um, just some great sane comments. They have a great um, lay across the land. They, uh, you know, they just represent uh, feelings and views very well. Yeah. Very balanced. Yeah, stewards of the Medicare Trust. For yes. sake. Yes, exactly. So I do want to. We're going to close here with some trends that. So and some of this is natural, and we've already all seen this, but um, the overall consumerism of healthcare. I, I think it's just a, it's important no matter where you are in the healthcare ecosystem to make sure that you understand how consumerism uh, in patients' buying habits and uh, in, in health engagement habits are changing. They're evolving. Uh, understand how it affects you. This is what my um, I have a whole speaking series uh, that I actually fly out later on today um, on uh, on exactly this because this is where you know there's more money being flooded into healthcare than ever before. That's not going to slow down. But you got to know how to navigate it, and you got to understand how consumerism affects you, no matter where you are and who you are in the healthcare ecosystem. Um, that's number one. Um, and then, really, there's a lot of shifting hospital health system and medical practice trends. This is done because of regulation. This is done because of insurance reform. This is done because of ACA, you know, the new healthcare bill, new ACA uh, mod- modifications. But uh, and also, you know, number one is really consumerism. It, it, it's affecting hospitals. It's affecting health systems, medical practices. So you've got to stay, you know, on top of that. And um, and we'll probably come back and do another show. Yeah, we on should. That. I mean, how many healthcare startups have you been involved with in the last few years? You <laughs> say dozen. money's going yeah. into the space. Yeah. That money is going into the space is trying to help consumers navigate, ease, you know, yep. go to their appointments. You name it. You got it. Um, and just to close out, insurance companies shifting in direct care, call them pay riders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually about to do a show uh, in in a few weeks on um, businesses, companies being direct. Uh, uh, care providers, basically just the direct employment, direct contracting. Right, right. Uh, no insurance companies in the middle. That's a huge trend. Yep. Some great leaders in that space. So I'm going like to show you know specifically on that. Um, but uh, and then obviously you know physicians are implementing more risk based contracts than ever before, and you just got to make sure that you have the right team, the right um, infrastructure. We just gone through a lot of technical mm-hmm. infrastructure and policy that drives a lot of that. And you just got to stay in, on top of that. Yeah, health IT can help you have strength at the negotiating table. If you can show payers that you can really do risk, do quality reporting, things like that. Yep. So, yeah, there's strength to be had there for, for, for providers. Very true. But we are at the bottom of the hour, no. Greg. I know. We'll, have, we'll be doing this again. <laughs> we'll come back and, uh, and hit uh, some trends and strategy. We'll have a, no, uh, we'll a macro-free show one day. There you go. Exactly. Sounds That's, that's a deal. Um, <laughs> Greg Fulton, always to have you as my guest, uh, my friend. Thank you very much. I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Very much us. appreciate being on. Always enjoy it. And, uh, I, I learn a lot myself. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll certainly uh, have you on again. And thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. All of my content and, uh, and speeches will be posted at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.